Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Wish you could hear my great in high fidelity. So good. His name is J.D. Barker. The deal is on this guy is you can't... Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. For one this day is God in Country. The collision of faith God. and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Y'all are awesome. You're awesome. So the hidden agenda of Islam in America with Reverend Dr. Sean M. Greener, the ninja pastor. Now, here's the funny thing about that. I had to follow the great Duke Brooks. Uh, he is so good, isn't he? Isn't he a really, really good guy? You got a lot of facts, and he told you something during his speech that I really cling to, and I talk about a lot wherever I go, and I'm privileged to be able to talk in all kinds of cool places all across the country. And whenever I go there, I hear the same question that dear lady there, uh, or a concern you brought up about, hey, we're, we're conservatives and we're Christian. For the most part, we're Christian and, and we are, we're rule followers. We're, you know, we're, we're people that have decorum. We're people that, that do, do certain things a certain way. And I don't disagree with that. One thing I would say is this, we are in barefoot in the snow days. And Christians, just like you described, actually, um, they were the ones that won our independence. At a certain point, they decided, hey, we can't be this group anymore. We can't sell out our values or what we believe in, what's important to us, our core values. But what we have to do is we have to get in the fight. We can't abdicate anymore. Because in our kindness, in our, um, I hasten to describe it any way other than peacefulness and our uh we're, we're just a we're a rule following bunch and that's just how we are uh, we don't like to raise our voice we don't like to we don't like to push back when somebody pushes hey come on buddy um i have a unique background if you go to the uh it's it's sort of an interesting thing executiveprotectionteam.com my background is all there and all of our people so where i come from is sort of a sheepdog uh sheepdog background it's it's kind of interesting in that um a Christian, and I'm a reverend doctor, so I'm a, a pastor, and and I, you know, I preach and speak all over the country, and so it's a, it's a sort of a juxtaposition, it's a conundrum, if you will, because this ninja pastor is always armed. I don't go anywhere without my gun. If they say I can't go, uh, if I have a gun, then I don't go. 
And there's a reason for that. And if you if you follow me for any any length of time, you'll know what the reason is for that. But I also carry a gun everywhere I go because what I say makes me a target. Not necessarily of the really nice people who happen to believe differently than we do. Speaking of really nice people, look, there's a whole bunch of people coming in here. Come on in, come on in. And so here's the thing. We're broadcasting live all around the country. Janice Gallagher running for 29th District in Camden, Wyoming, Delaware. And fellow CSG Level 5 grad and all my dear sisters and friends. Awesome, awesome. They're working on the campaign, working hard, and I'm privileged that they would come. So, uh, you know, there's there's an interesting thing here that I learned. Uh, we We don't think that we have the enemies we have, and we think – that we have enemies that we don't have. And and that sounds kind of funny because uh on the one hand the conservatives uh we we are the the king and the queens of the circular firing squad. Right? You guys know what that is, right? You stand all in a circle and boom, we shoot at the 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 enemy that we have. Duke hit it right on the button. He said, "Look, the left, they'll never they'll never stray from their mission." They will never stray from their mission. The left will never, ever stray from their mission because they have one enemy. We, however, have thousands of issues and thousands of enemies. We're always mad at everything. And sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, just like in church, we get mad at each other. That's it. I'm done. I'm not, go I'm not going to listen to that fellow anymore. I'm not going to read that fellow's books anymore. I'm not going to watch that show anymore. Uh, I'm not going to watch that channel anymore. Uh, I'm not friends with you anymore. Like the, the elderly lady with the post-it notes up on the wall and the pictures, and she says, that's it, I unfriend you. And the other lady says, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Well, it's not how it works. It's, it's not, but we fall into the trap. And guess what? Those are all tools, Facebook, Twitter, all those things, of the left, believe it or not. We've got to use those tools, the Internet, Twitter, Facebook, all of those things, we've got to use them to our advantage. But what we've got to stop doing is something my buddy Dave Perkins, how many here ever follow a guy named Dave Perkins? National radio show guy, he is phenomenal. I'm privileged. He's one of my good buddies. And uh, Big Dave, I mean, he's a big, big guy, booming voice. And Dave writes, and I tell him all the time, and if he's listening now because he listens to the show uh, fairly frequently, uh, he, I tell him, man, you got to write a book because he's the wisest guy I ever known. If you're on Facebook, Friend him on Facebook or follow him. I think he has too many friends at this point, but he's a, he's a sharp guy. But I want to read to you. I want to read to you something he wrote the other day. Stuck with me. Got right in my crawl. This is Dave Perkins. Now, this is not me talking. This is him because I could never say it this articulately or eloquently. I have long warned you all, both never Trumpers and Trump supporters, of the risks of throwing away friendships and family relationships over this stupid election. Calling people names who you know are good people, that's one way. Telling people who are not voting for Hillary that they're voting for Hillary is another way. Hectoring people after you've made your points a dozen times over, that's another way of losing friendships. I have occasionally used material supporting one side or the other of the Trump thing. Each time I do, remember this is my buddy Dave, each time I do, I'm reminded by good people that it is the same from the opposite side. Both sides uh, have people whose inner, now he uses this term, bastard, has come out and stood up and thrown hot coffee in everyone's faces. 
I'm going to remind you in the words of C.S. Lewis, civilizations come and go, but you have never met a mortal man. Relationships with people are eternal, unless you throw them away. But that is the value of what you are losing compared to the stupidly temporal importance of this, our civilization. That is God's perspective. If we but honor him and act right, the civilization thing will take care of itself. Trying to game a system one way or another or putting all of our hopes in one leader at one election at the expense of relationships is just not the right path. Dave Perkins goes on to say, vote for whom you believe in. Vote your conscience. Vote your principles. But angling and gaming, we're pikers, we're rookies, and the Democrats own the House and have the advantage. Remember that. We've got to stop Hillary or the country is ruined. Some may want unity for this reason or that reason and say that it's the only way. Others think in terms of the Electoral College and try supporting a third person who might deny Hillary the majority and put it in the hands of the Congress. No matter what sort of game you try to play, you will be outgamed before you even start. I want to point out, now this is my buddy Dave still, even though I was too cowardly to try to lay it out in any sort of detail, I still worry they own the house and would triumph no matter what and didn't want to promise myself too much. I wished everyone would understand that things don't always happen as we fear or as we hope or anything like we expect. Sometimes God reaches out and stirs the pot. She could win, sure, she being Hillary. Sure, but that might not mean what we think it means. And look, presto, Hillary is ruined. There is too much information in too many hands out of her control. Boy, isn't that true, isn't it? Beginning to find out what she's been doing all these years. Is, it isn't just the FBI's newfound determination. It's the fact that Assange has information and nobody knows what it is or how he got it. And he said he will release indictable information this week. Stories are now surfacing about a deal to cut, a deal to cut the Clintons in on a pipeline from Russia through Iran and Syria and Turkey and Greece, a pipeline that would make them billionaires if only Assad wasn't blocking it. Assad blocking a pipeline for oil through Syria into Europe, a pipeline that would make the Clintons literal billionaires overnight. Do you understand now why the State Department was all hot and bothered about arming rebels to defeat Assad, about the red line, etc.? He's standing in the way of making them billionaires. Such is the story, and I suspect it will come out this week. Another story gaining ground in the chatter, and this again is my buddy Dave Perkins, way smarter guy. You obviously could tell that this is, this is a smart man speaking in this letter. Another story gaining ground in the chatter of those in the know is that Hillary, long suspected of having a lesbian life, is also excessively interested in excessively young girls and has spent time on pedophile island Acting on that urge, do not doubt the general truth of her lesbianism. It was public for only a short time, but none other than Yoko Ono said this fall that she had an affair with Hillary back in the 70s. There has been no effort from her to deny it, only from the mainstream media to burn, bury the story. There are other things I hear from people who would know, but it isn't evident, so I'm not going to list it all here. Suffice it to say this, she is 70 years old, sick, and in a trap of her own making 
Rats are fleeing her ship. Information about her is everywhere, and she cannot control it at all. And even if she wins, the media and the FBI's serious professionals and a number of other people like congressional committees in both houses will be investigating her. Subpoenas will fly. And she won't be able to set up her be able to set up or archive any she and bill are going to be fully known the extent of the corruption slowly uncovered obama is hip deep in this stuff probably for a share of that pipeline and his emails to her on that server he says he didn't know about will be revealed you've not seen a single email from hillary to anyone or from anyone to her but those are coming those are out there. There is, I'm told, an exchange, again, this is my buddy Dave, well-connected, an exchange between her and Obama agreeing to pardon each other. That should tell you the depth of the crap fest they're involved in. Hillary is hurt. Hillary is mortally wounded. Hillary might win, but she will go down. She will fail, and this might be the end of the effectiveness of the Democrat Party for a generation. She, amen. Amen. She will have been the one who broke it. Now, with this mental picture of the Hillary presidency, do you still believe you must vote for Trump, and so must everyone else, or will all become slaves to the communist she-dictator? Do you still believe you dislike Trump so much you have to alienate your friends? This is powerful stuff. Alienate your friends by explaining again and again why they should dislike them also. Do you want to abandon your 10, 20, or 30-year friendships, lifelong friendships, over Donald Trump for or against? Do you still believe Hillary as president would destroy our country? Yes, I absolutely do. I'm not sure, Dave goes on to say, I'm not sure she can. She's weak and she's slowly dying. She's losing Supporters, Doug Schoen, the old Bill Clinton pollster, abandoned his support for her on Fox News Live yesterday. And the rats are fleeing. Preserve your friendships. They are eternal. Do not throw away things for te- throw away eternal things for temporary things. The following isn't a curse. It's an appeal of love. For God's sake, do not abandon your friends. Relationship, relationships are pure gold, eternal, and will give you love and warm your heart a thousand years after Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are gone. This, too, shall pass. Love who you love. Respect their status as eternal creatures in the image of God. Don't abandon them for temporary things. It will be you who is lost in that deal. Now, I want to read you. That's my buddy Dave Perkins. If, you, if, if you're going to follow anybody on Facebook and you only have one to follow, y'all don't mind if I take my little cowboy coat off here plenty warm in this joint uh dave perkins if if you're deciding between i don't know who tom Selleck and dave perkins pick dave you'll learn a lot from him although uh tom Selleck was my first protectee my first uh celebrity protectee and uh during the big uh, magnum pi years nicest guy you ever want to meet in your life man what a great guy So I want to read something to you. I want to thank Hillary Clinton, who has traveled so much these last six months that she is approaching a new landmark, 
one million frequent flyer miles. I count on Hillary every day, and I believe that she will go down as the as one of the finest secretaries of state in our nation's history. Who do you think said that? That's right, Barack Hussein Obama, what's more important? June 4, 2009 in Cairo, he spoke, to an Egypt, spoke in Egypt to an audience of 100% Muslims. They were all Muslim. This, he also said this, thank you very much, good afternoon. I'm honored to be in the timeless city of Cairo, to be hosted by two remarkable institutions for over a thousand years. Al-Azhar has stood as a beacon of Islamic learning, and for over a century, Cairo University has been a source of Egypt's advancement, All, and together you represent the harmony between tradition and progress. I'm grateful for your hospitality and the hospitality of the people of Egypt, and I'm also proud to carry with me the goodwill of the American people and a greeting of peace from Muslim communities in my country. Assalamu alaikum. And then, of course, the crowd erupted in applause. He went on to say this, we meet at a time of great tension between the United States and Muslims around the world, tension rooted in historical forces that go beyond any current policy debate. The relationship between Islam and the West includes centuries of coexistence and cooperation, but also conflict and religious wars. More recently, tension has been fed by colonialism that denied rights and opportunities to many Muslims and a cold war in which Muslim-majority countries were often treated as proxies without regard to their own aspirations. I want to point out to you, the colonialists that he's talking about are the same colonialists that he talked about in his books. Friends, the colonialists he's talking about are you. Moreover, sweeping changes brought by modernity and globalization led many Muslims to view the West as hostile to the traditions of Islam. The traditions of Islam. Well, he failed to mention our grand president, president of the world. He, he failed to mention what some of those great traditions are, those traditions and practices of Islam, such as cutting the heads off. Now they use chainsaws, by the way. They found uh, they're supposed to use a certain type of blade, but they ventured from the Quran, and they said, hey, this is faster and bloodier and scarier and noisier. Let's do this. It sure is scaring people. They just cut as many as 100 children, live children, all under the age of 18 years old, in half with a chainsaw, and they videoed it. Why do they do such things? They do these things, and they post them on the Internet because they know we are people who follow the rules. We are people who pray. We are people who sit back in our homes and say, wow, we need to pray for this situation. And we genuinely and peacefully do pray for those situations. We say, somebody's got to help those kids. But I'm going to tell you something. The people who help those kids are sheepdogs. This is what they call people like me, sheepdogs. Nobody wants to see how the sheepdog does what it does when the wolf comes around the sheep. The sheepdog goes from being a floppy-eared, kind of goofy-looking thing, you know, hey, these are my sheep, how you doing, come on around if you're nice, to being a snarling, deadly adversary that will literally rip the head off of a wolf if he seeks to harm his sheep. Everybody wants the sheepdog, but nobody wants the sheepdog 
to show how he does what he does. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be people uh, that, that are peaceful people, that, that kind of stay behind the lines and, and make food and pray and gather packets and pack ammo and load magazines and things of that nature. But the fact of the matter is we are in that place now, and I'm going to give you some, pardon the pun, ammo to fight that. I want to just tell you what the president went on to say. This is the president of our country. He said this to a 100% Muslim audience in another country. Violent extremists have exploited these tensions in small but potent minorities of Muslims. Small but potent minorities. Isn't that the JV I think he was talking about? The attacks of September 11, 2001 and the continued efforts of these extremists to engage in violence against civilians has led some in my country to view Islam as inevitably hostile, not only to America and Western countries, but also to human rights. All this has bred more fear and more mistrust. What you're going to hear in just a couple of minutes is proof, irrefutable proof, that the President of the United States, Duke called it exactly right. He called it exactly right. He is absolutely, absolutely on their side. And he couldn't get it wrong for the simple reason that he was raised a Muslim. He was trained a Muslim. But see, that's not the argument we have now. See, that, that's an argument that's unpopular to make. It is an argument that now, when you make that argument, you say to people, hey, uh, I'm some sort of crazy person. Right? The whole birther thing, you remember that? You bring up that argument now. And you're looked at like a fool. Why? Because the left controlled the media and we cowered. We said, well, I'm not questioning the guy's love of the country. Guy in the front of the room, I am. I absolutely am. He has no interest in protecting the interests of this country or our foundation. Why? Because Muslims are fundamentally opposed to everything. He also mis, uh, he, he misstated this, I, I think, absolutely on purpose. And when the first Muslim American was recently elected to Congress, he took the oath to defend our Constitution using the same holy Quran that one of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, kept in his personal library. Big applause. Big applause. Cairo erupted in applause. And all around the world, people were watching. Because he just made a statement that said, hey, Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders, he's one of our guys, man. He's, he's got a Quran. Why did he have that Quran? He had that Quran because we kept having uh, piracy. And the Barbary pirates kept, uh, you know, from the shores of Tripoli. Who, who in here is a Marine? Anybody? Hooyah. So, uh, so you, know, you know that song. So from the halls of Montezuma's the shores of Tripoli, Tripoli that's, that's uh, Libya. And so the Barbary pirates were robbing us blind. Every ship we were sending back and forth to Europe, every ship that was going on the open seas, these pirates would take over the ships, and they had, they had hundreds, literally hundreds of ships holding them hostage. And Thomas Jefferson, who are these people that would do such a thing? And some of the things that they did were barbarous. They were barbaric. He said, i got to find out about these people. So he summoned someone to bring him the most detailed, inclusive Quran that could be found in that time. And he read it from cover to cover. Some say three to four times without stopping. And he concluded, these are people that you cannot defeat with words. You cannot defeat with diplomacy. You must kill them where they are, or they will come kill you where you are. 
So he threw that statement out there about Thomas Jefferson casting aspersions upon Thomas Jefferson. Uh, and, and there was allegations among the left. Well, you know, Thomas Jefferson, he, he was a Muslim. He was thinking about it. Those are the same people that would tell you that Thomas Jefferson was not a believer in God, was not a believer in Christ. Yet every letter, and he was a copious writer, every letter he wrote ended with, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And most often, our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that Thomas Jefferson, this terrible Christian, you know, if he was an atheist, atheist against God, he was the worst atheist ever. He wasn't doing it right because he's the one that started the, the religious services in Congress. Isn't that something? Thousands of people attending these. And he himself would attend very often. Well, if he was an atheist, he wasn't a good one. If he was a Muslim, he wasn't a good one because he set about killing all that he could find because he knew who the enemies were. He goes on to say, I have a lot of stuff in here. I, I, I don't want to include it because it will make you sick. I know most of you ate that half-price pizza here at Grotto's Pizza here in Dover. The title of that speech that I excerpted there was uh, Barack Hussein Obama's New Beginnings. New Beginnings. See, his goal was this. We're going to start over with Muslims. Now, I want to put something out there. I'll say something to you. My audience is used to hearing this. This is not anything new for them. It won't shock them. But how in the world we could elect a black person? Now, he's half black, he's half white, but he has disavowed any of his white heritage. And when I say he's disavowed his white heritage, he has ignored anyone, whether white or black, in his upbringing, family, people that share his name, that, that changed his diapers, that didn't fit his political agenda. So he cast aside his white family members, the black family members, such as his Kenyan half-brother and his grandmother, his Kenyan grandmother. Hey, they're just loons. You know those people from Kenya. They're just a little bit crazy talking about he was born there you know Barack Hussein Obama how do you get that name that middle name you all know how you get that Barack Hussein Obama what do you have to be in order to have the middle name Hussein you have to be Muslim see that's your father's name and you can only have your father's name conferred to you unless you are in fact Muslim New beginnings. Hillary Clinton has an idea of what new beginnings she's already set into motion. You know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump is absolutely right. I wasn't on the Trump train. I'm telling you right now. Uh, you know, I had another guy I was pulling for, porting, but you know what? Trump's our guy. He's our guy now. And who he's up against, let me tell you something, folks, is straight up evil. Folks won't like to hear these terrible things that are going to be coming out in these emails. And, and when someone actually gets the guts gets the guts to investigate this woman oh wait somebody's already said duke said it well i'd hate to have you hillary clinton said during the debate i hate to have you in charge of the law yeah you know why because you're going to be arrested you're going to be investigated and arrested i love that he said that how many of you here loved it he said that donald trump said that he's the only person because you'll be in jail how many of you love that man i loved it i said man finally somebody's going to fight on the right a lot of people will portray Christians uh, as a passive people, right? They'll say, well, but that's simply not true. Remember when he said, if you have two cloaks, you sell one of your cloaks and get you a sword. He didn't say that for no reason. It's dangerous times then, it's dangerous times now. 
righteous indignation is righteous. How did we get this country? The, the United States of America, this was a gift from God to civilization. And when we allow it to be taken from us, we're abdicating our Christian duty and obligation. So Hillary Clinton, she has an idea of what new beginnings she'd like to set in motion. A lot of things she's, she's already started. But not new beginnings for the benefit of America, but for Islam. You see, the biggest contributor to Hillary and Bill Clinton's wealth have been countries that cut off the heads, who burn alive, who throw into vats of acid, who drown alive, who cut in half with chainsaws, who throw people off of roofs if they don't follow their line. I've said this often. I had an LGBT guy that I interviewed, and he's a fantastically intelligent guy. And I said, I don't understand how you could be such a staunch reporter of, uh, supporter of Hillary Clinton when, in fact, Hillary Clinton takes money from people who hate LGBT folks so much that they throw them off of roofs, that they stone them. Has that, have any of you ever been to Muslim countries, 100% Muslim countries, right? Have you ever seen a stoning? It's pretty hard to miss. They bury, most often women are stoned. There's, there's a whole cultural thing to that. But most often women are stoned. And so they dig a pit. They put the women in up to just about her shoulders so she can't move her arms. So all her head, these are real tough guys, only her head is above the ground. And they gather rocks. They have the little kids gather rocks. Come on, come on. This is for Allah. Gather the rocks. Gather the rocks. Purify your soul. Come on, come on. And they gather, and it's a big deal. They gather these rocks, and then the men start throwing the rocks at the woman. Some hit her squarely, but most of them, for usually it goes on for about an hour. Most people don't realize that. This, this carnage goes on for about an hour until they go unconscious. And you'd think that it would end then, but it doesn't, because the key is they have to kill them in order to purify. Now, this is their Quran. This is, this is their real faith. This is not their pretend faith. This is not what you hear about. It's a peaceful religion. All of those things, that's, a, that's the biggest lie going. I'll also explain to you how it is not a religion. It is a religious, political, and military ideology. But Hillary Clinton, as the world is beginning to see very clearly now, is nothing short of a murderous, co-leader of a criminal enterprise and her plans for the United States of America are indeed diabolical. We are one week away. One week away. I have a good friend, Bill Federer. How many of you have ever read anything Bill Federer? William Federer, a great historian, un unbelievable. American Minute, he is, he is truly a genius. The guy is just an encyclopedia of information. He's a world-renowned historian. He's a frequent guest on my show. He reminded me one day that in 2006, Keith Ellison of Minnesota became the first Muslim elected to the United States Congress. As reported by Niraj Wariku in the Detroit Free Press, on these days, December 25th and 26th, 2006, this is what Keith Ellison told his supporters. Now, I'm reporting it verbatim. I'm not making any of this up. This you can look up for yourself. You can't back down. You can't chicken out. You can't be afraid. You've got to have faith in Allah, and you've got to stand up and be a real Muslim. Now, Ellison, who was conspicuously silent during all of his campaigning about his devout Muslim faith, about his devout 
religious, political, and military ideology of Islam while campaigning in the general public. And, and most voters, let, let, let's be fair here, most voters were too afraid of being called a bigot, being called a racist, any of those things. You know, boy, if somebody calls us a bigot and a racist, we recoil. Oh, no, no, hey, hey, hey. And then we spend all of our time defending that. So then what do we learn? We're conditioned to no longer fight. We're conditioned to back off. Most voters were afraid of being called a bigot. They were afraid of being called a racist. And they neither vetted Ellison or said anything about his militant anti-American ways, not that it would have mattered. Remember, we voted not once, but twice for Barack Hussein Obama. Ellison went on to tell his now 100% Islamic audience, this is a quote, we're going to continue to face them. They're not going to stop right away. But if you and me too stick together, if we believe in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we turn to the Quran for guidance, we will find the answers to the questions we have. They and there in that speech are you and me. And in his vernacular, as labeling as his and all others Muslims enemy, he's saying you and I are his and other Muslims enemy. That's what he's saying when he says this. Now, I want you to understand, how many have heard the term infidel? I almost wore my infidel hat and my infidel shirt. Right, I wear that. I wear that quite frequently, and it it ticks people off. I don't do it to tick people off. I do it to be clear about. That's right. That's right. When writing the name of God, Allah, to Muslims, now it's not the same. I want you to understand. They don't they, they don't fall for this mess about. Uh, well, we worship the same God. We absolutely do not worship the same God. It is not the same. So Allah, Muslims also follow it with the abbreviation SWT. These letters stand for the Arabic words, subhanahu wa ta'ala, or glory to him, the exalted. If one turns for guidance to the Quran, which we can all agree is all Muslims' most sacred text, right? We all agree that. As everybody knows, the, the Quran, the Holy Bible is ours, the Quran is theirs. It's their most sacred text. Keith Ellison went on to use the actual two-volume English translation of the actual Quran used by Thomas Jefferson on Muslims, to understand Muslims reading their own text. And Ellison used those two-volume Quran for his swearing-in ceremony. You have to understand. You have to understand what he's swearing in on. You have to understand that to a Muslim, a Muslim can never agree to certain things in American culture. Can't agree to it. Can't be part of it. Surah 551 from their own book. Believers, take neither the Jews nor the Christians for your friends. Infidels are those who declare God is the Christ, the son of Mary. Surah 517. Infidels are those that say God is one of three in a trinity. Surah 573. Make war on the infidels who dwell around you. Surah 9.123. The infidels are your sworn enemies. Surah 4. 101, when you meet the infidel on the battlefield, strike off their heads. Surah 47.4, I, I want to detail something for you. To a Muslim, the battlefield is not somewhere over there. To a Muslim, the battlefield could be this Grotto's Pizza in Dover, Delaware. To a Muslim, 
the battlefield could be their workplace at a meat packing plant in the Midwest at 11.05 in the morning when they decide, hey, this lady who's worked here all these years, this grandma, I'm going to cut her head off until someone had the nerve to run to their vehicle and get a gun and stop his murderous rampage because he was already cutting the head off of another person. This is Islam. This isn't a random thing. This isn't a small group, folks. We need to understand this is what their book mandates. Remember, the infidels are your sworn enemies. When you meet the infidel in the battlefield, which could be anywhere to a Muslim, strike off their heads. Muhammad is Allah's apostle. Those who follow him are ruthless to the infidel, Surah 48:29. Prophet, make war on the infidel, 66:9 of Surah. Kill the disbelievers wherever we find them, Surah 2, 191. The only reward of those who make war upon Allah and his messenger will be they that will be killed or crucified or have their hands and feet on alternate sides cut off or will be expelled out of the land, Surah 5:33. Here's another one you might like. Fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth even if they dare of the people of the book until they pay the jizya, which is with willing submission and feel themselves subdued, Surah 929. Jizya is a tax, folks. It's a tax that Muslims will force you to pay. And they set the tax, and they say, you pay this, we let you live for now. Jizya, it's in their original sacred book. Therefore, make when you meet the unbelievers in fight, smite at their necks at length. When you have thoroughly subdued them, bind a bond firmly on them. In other words, make them your prisoner. Make them your slave. Thereafter is the time for either generosity or ransom. Generosity is when they let you live. Ransom is when they say, hey, if you want this person back, you're going to pay. Surah 47.4. Believers do not make friends with those who have incurred the wrath of Allah. Who has incurred the wrath of Allah? All infidels, you and me. That's Surah 60, 13. Never be a helper to the disbelievers, Surah 28, 86. Now I ask you, are these verses in the Quran taken out of context? Does it matter if a politician swears an oath on the Quran in lieu of the Holy Bible? Is it Islamophobic to be concerned? Is Islam a peaceful religion? You've all likely heard this before, but I want to add some answers for you. This is called all of a sudden. I want you to remember this term, by the way, religious, political, military, RPM. I've wondered about this, and I do have the answer, and that is, in fact, RPM. Do you ever wonder why no one, including Republicans and or conservatives, you notice I have to create a, a separate uh, a line item for because conservatives aren't necessarily Republicans. Republicans aren't necessarily conservatives anymore. They've never really tried to stop Barack Hussein Obama. Hillary Clinton, or their insidious, treasonous agenda until now. There's one guy. There's one guy who has said, hey, you know what? I don't care what you do to me. You know what? I don't care what I lose. I'm in the fight to win. I may not talk pretty. I may not do the nicest things, but I'm in it to win it for America. One guy. All of a sudden, seven short years have passed before Obama. There was virtually no outlandish presence of Islam, RPM. In America, remember, RPM is religious, political. I refuse to call it a religion. It's a religious, political, and military ideology. All of a sudden, Islam is actively taught in 
public taxpayer-funded schools, even incidental expressions or imperceptible hints of Christianity in the Bible are banned in schools and viewed as bigoted hate speech. All of a sudden, we must allow prayer rugs everywhere and allow for Islamic prayer in schools, airports, and businesses. All of a sudden, we must stop serving pork in prisons. And now they're trying to do that with the United States Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. All of a sudden, we're inundated with lawsuits by Muslims who are offended by mil uh, American culture. All of a sudden, we must allow burqas to be worn everywhere, even though you have no idea who or what is covered up under them. All of a sudden, Muslims are suing employers and refusing to do their jobs if they personally deem it conflicts with Sharia law. All of a sudden, the Attorney General of the United States of America vows to prosecute anyone who engages in anti-Muslim speech. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? How this, at first it was Eric Holder, and now it's Loretta Lynch. You say, hey, right after, right after Orlando, you remember this, the Pulse nightclub? Remember all the other attacks? And they said, well, now listen, now listen, yes, he allegedly killed 49 people, but we don't know that he was a Muslim. We don't, we don't know. He, he had some mental health problems. This is the new thing, you know. This is, the, this is the new thing. Since I spoke before to this group, this is the new thing. The government's, well, you know, he's not representing Islam. He's really got some mental health issues. The guy's a little loony. You know, they never make fun. The left never makes fun of people with mental health issues until they're Muslim. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's totally okay. All of a sudden, jihadists, who engage in terrorism and openly admit they acted in the name of Islam and ISIS are emphatically declared that they are not Islamic by our leaders and or by their actions, and they are determined not to be terrorism, but other nebulous terms like work, place, violence. Bless you. All of a sudden it becomes policy that secular Middle East dictators that were benign or friendly to the West must be replaced by Islamists and Muslim Brotherhood. All of a sudden, our troops are withdrawn from Iraq and the Middle East, giving rise to ISIS. All of a sudden, America has reduced its nuclear stockpiles to 1950 levels as Obama's stated goal of a nuke-free America by the time he leaves office continues uninterrupted and unabated by anyone. All of a sudden, a deal with Iran must be made at any cost with a pathway to nuclear weapons and now we know, what is it, 400? What is it? Four, how much was that on the boat? Four, how, or on the plane? 500. 500 what? I'm sorry, $500 million on a plane in the middle of the night. Cash money. Handed over to fund their program. All of a sudden, America apologizes to Muslim states and sponsors of terror worldwide for acts of aggression, war, and sabotage they perpetrate against our soldiers. You know, I'm going to interrupt myself here for a second. About once a month or so, I go visit my friends in Arlington National Cemetery. You see, I have friends that I was personally friends with that are no longer here because they fought against Islam. Their lives were taken from them because they were sent somewhere to fight. I'm, I'm close personal friends with many, many different families, Gold Star families, who their sons and their daughters are now in Arlington National Cemetery, and they were killed by Muslims. And the crazy thing about it is, the really crazy thing about it is, now 
those same Muslims are being brought to the United States and they're being relabeled refugees. All of a sudden, the American Navy is diminished to 1917 pre-World War levels of only 300 ships. Folks, I served in a 600-ship Ronald Reagan Navy. The Army is at pre-1940 levels. The Air Force scrapped 500 planes and planned to retire the use of the A-10 Thunderbolt or the Warthog, close air support fighter. A further drawdown of another 40,000 military personnel is currently in progress. All of a sudden, half our aircraft carriers are recalled for maintenance by Obama, rendering the entire Atlantic Ocean unguarded. And none are in the Middle East. All of a sudden, Obama has to empty Guantanamo Bay of captured jihadists and let them loose in jihad-friendly Islamic states. He demands to close the facility. All of a sudden, America will negotiate with terrorists and trade five Taliban commanders for a deserter, a known deserter, a known jihad sympathizer. All of a sudden, there's no money for the American poor, disabled veterans, jobless Americans, hungry Americans, or displaced Americans, but there's endless money for Syrian refugee resettlement programs. This is, in fact, immigration jihad. All of a sudden, there's an ammunition shortage in the United States of America. Isn't that something? And yet we send hundreds of millions of rounds of ammunition to Muslim countries. All of a sudden, the most important thing for Obama to do after yet another mass shooting by jihadists is disarm the American citizens. You see, if we'd only just take away the guns, if you just let me take these guns away, these terrible crimes wouldn't happen. You see, it's worked so well in Chicago and Detroit. All of a sudden, the President of the United States cannot attend the Christian funerals of a Supreme Court justice and a former First Lady because of previously and let's be honest, unimportant commitments. The Bible says by his fruits you will know him, and all of a sudden you just might be a little bit sick to your stomach. I want to ask you a question. Can a good Muslim be a good American? Can they truly be, hey, we're in Dover, Delaware right now. So I'm going to ask the question, can they be a good Delawarean? Can a Muslim be a good Delawarean? Never mind Delaware. Let's just ask the real question here. Can a true Muslim live in the Western world? Can they coexist? with us, the infidel. This question was forwarded to me by a friend who said, I have Muslim friends who seem peaceful and nice, and the news and even the president says they're so peaceful, and, and therefore I just know Muslims are mostly nice. I know, I, I have to believe because I know this nice Muslim person that they're, they're nice people, and just it's just a small group of people, and they're just getting maligned wrongly, bigoted, terrible, terrible thing. For perspective, I want to give you, and if you go to the executiveprotectionteam.com, you'll, you'll see my background. I have been an intense academic as well as real world, on the ground, student of Islam since 1983, quite frankly, and for the last nearly 10 years in academia at the doctorate level. The following is my reply, not unlike many others, with relevant experience with true Islam. Can Muslims coexist? the Western world? This is the question. Theologically, no. Because his allegiance is to Allah, the moon god of Arabia, whose primary prophet is named Muhammad, a psychopath, illiterate, murdering pedophile, 
who made up this imageless fantasy God who commanded all of his followers, all of his followers, to do the same as he did. Religiously, can they coexist? No. They can't because no other religion is accepted by his Allah except Islam, Quran 2.256. Scripturally, no, because his allegiance is to the five pillars of Islam and the Quran. Geographically, no, because his allegiance is to Mecca, to which he turns and prays five times a day. Socially, no, because his allegiance to Islam forbids him to make true friends with Christians or Jews. You're familiar with the term takiyah? How many have ever heard that term, takiyah? You're familiar with takiyah because that's literally fear or caution, it means. It's a form of Islamic dissimulation or a legal dispensation whereby a believing individual, a Muslim, can deny their faith, can say, hey, I'm not Muslim. I'm a peaceful Muslim. I don't believe in any of that. That's crazy business. All that head cutting off. I like America. I had a barbecue sandwich the other day. They can commit otherwise illegal or blasphemous acts while they're in fear or at risk of significant persecution or in order to further the aim of Islam. For more on lying for Islam, let's look at what their Supreme Council says what jihad is. I want you to understand this. This is verbatim. The Supreme Council, you need to understand, is the group of people, group of Muslims, scholars who have gotten together. These are people who read the Quran every day. They study Umdar Asalik, which is the reliance of the traveler. It's free on the Internet, all these things. Don't go somewhere and pay for a Quran. If you want to study up and read it for yourself, don't, don't go somewhere and pay for Umdar Asalik. It's 1,345 pages. You can download it for free on the Internet. It's totally free, completely free. Don't pay anybody for it. The Arabic word jihad is often translated. This is their literal. This is literally what they say. And these are the experts, folks. I need you to understand. These are the people speaking on Islam. They're Muslims speaking for Muslims. The Arabic word jihad is often translated as holy war, but in a purely linguistic sense, the word jihad means struggling or striving. The Arabic word for war is al-harb. In a religious sense, as described by the Quran and the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, jihad has many meanings. It can refer to internal as well as external efforts to be a good Muslim or believer, as well as working to inform people about the faith of Islam. If military jihad is required to protect the faith against others, it can be performed using anything from legal, diplomatic, and economic to political means. If there's no peaceful alternative, Islam also allows the use of force, but there are strict rules of engagement. Innocents, such as women, children, or invalids, must never be harmed, and any peaceful overtures from the enemy must be accepted. Now, I need you to understand something. This is very important that you understand this point. If you hear nothing else tonight, you must understand this point. You see, all of these scholars got together and they said, hey, we're going to explain to you what Islam means. We're going to explain to you what jihad is. We're going to explain this to you, and you're going to know finally, once and for all, from a Muslim to Muslims and non-Muslims. So they know that non-Muslims are going to be reading this. Right? They know they're going to be reading it. They say this statement, I'm going to read it again, strict rules of engagement here. We allow the use of force, but we got rules. We're not animals. Innocents such as women, children, or invalids must never be harmed. And any peaceful overtures from the enemy must be accepted. Now you need to understand this. The Quran specifically delineates that you can back off. If you're losing in a battle, you can back off. You can, hey, hey, we're also hurt. Please help us. We have women and children. We need the hospital. Send us bandages. Do all these things. You're, you're winning. Give us a break. Cease fire. Time out. And that time is to do what? They can even lie about that, folks. Most often they do. 
They'll say, hey, you know, you need to cease fire. This is terrible. You're killing a bunch of kids. Watch the videos, by the way. When you see the, especially over in uh, Israel and the West Bank and all that, you see all these pictures of dead children. Watch the video, save them, and then watch them again different places. The same kid has been killed over there about 30, 40 times by now. They just move the bodies. They take the pictures. And they take, they take, this is what they do. And you say, man, they can't, they can't be this way. They can't really be this way. I'm telling you. Firsthand, I can assure you, they absolutely are that way and worse. They say innocents such as women, children, or invalids. You know, invalids, they feel, are imperfect people. Adolf Hitler used to kill people that had some sort of physical malady or mental malady because you were an imperfect. You were going to mess up the race. Muslims do the same thing. You know the biggest purveyor in the world ever in all of history, the original instigator and the only force in the world today to still be practicing slavery are Muslims. But you see invalids, tools of war. Women and children, tools of war. You see the videos of the women being pushed forward or the women gleefully going forward. Their burqas, you know, they think, man, you've been eating good. And they've been at half, half, half price pizza night at Grotto's Pizza. And so they're, you know, they're, this burqa is huge. And then, and then all of a sudden they're ordered to stand to stop. Stop, don't come any further, we'll kill you. And then... They take another step, they reach, they start to pull up their burqa, they start pressing their little dead man switch, and before they can blow themselves and everybody around them up, they get shot through the head. Oh, this is terrible, my goodness, Americans are killing women, helpless women, religious helpless women. And then we go down and we look and we see she's laden with 70 pounds of high explosives. Cell phones taped to them. All kinds of explosives all the way around their bodies. Go around those soldiers. Those soldiers, man, they they love kids. Those Americans, they love kids. They're suckers for kids. You'll get plenty close. Peaceful overtures from the enemy must be accepted. Their own Quran. Remember what I said. Pretend to capitulate and rearm. Military action is therefore only one means of jihad, and it's very rare, really. This is this now they know that we're reading this. This is the thing we don't understand. They're so diabolical. You say, man, why are you so hard on on the Muslims? You really you're a hate monger. I get called that all the time. Hate monger. You know what I hate? I hate people that strap bombs to themselves and they mess around with with just people who are innocent, not doing anything to harm anybody. They jump into big trucks. And they drive over and kill 80 people. You guys do you guys understand this? This is what they do. They lure police officers. Remember the Charlie Hebdo shootings? Do you understand that those police officers were not called there originally for, hey, there's a bunch of Muslims killing us? The Muslims make the call to say that there's children in distress. Please come quickly. They're being harmed. And as they get in there, they get ambushed pleading for their lives. What time I got? I'm almost finished. I'm, I'll, I'll skip ahead. This is, this is what they say jihad is not. Jihad is not a violent concept, really. Jihad is not a declaration of war against other religions, really. It is worth noting that the Quran specifically refers to Jews and Christians as people of the book who should be protected and respected. All three faiths 
worship the same God. No, we don't. Allah is just the Arabic word for God. No, it's not. And is used by Christians. I need you to understand something. These folks say that we absolutely, absolutely are among you peacefully. We're not here to harm you. We're not here to hurt you. We're your friends. And behind their back is a sword or a gun or whatever they have to do. Do you realize allowed people to be in charge of our national water supply? We have people in the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. We have people in the Department of Strategic Affairs where all of our nukes and our ballistic missiles are stored. They are in. Let me close off the national broadcast and I'll be right now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.